0: Hello
1: and welcome to The 1909, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at the state news's biggest stories while bringing in new perspectives from the reporters who wrote them. I'm your host, Katie Kelly. This week, we will be discussing a local nonprofit organization that is focused on improving youth mental health in Michigan schools a column about the struggle of still paying bills during the COVID-19 crisis, and a story about how COVID-19 is affecting MSU international students. Thanks for joining us. Engaged Outreach is a Michigan nonprofit that is working to improve youth mental health and combating rising suicide rates among youth and young adults. State News staff reporter, Emily Bavard is here to talk about her story. So I am here with Emily Bavard. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: So um, let's talk about your story that ran in print. Um, You wrote about um, Engaged Outreach, um, a nonprofit. Can you kind of talk about what you covered in your story and what they're aiming to do?
0: Yeah, so um, Engaged Outreach is a nonprofit organization based in Lansing, and they work with, right now, two school districts in the area, and they kind of implement programs to help students deal with mental health issues and, like, tackle that. Um, technically, I think it started, and they weren't even focusing on mental health. It was just kind of a program to work with communication and making people feel better and more comfortable with themselves and, like, talking to other people, but then like as they started going through it, they found out that a lot of the people they were helping in there came out feeling better with mental health and different thoughts of like suicidal thoughts and that kind of stuff, and it helped them feel better when they were done with the program. So then they kind of shifted the gear towards that, and they're working to broaden the reach to help more people.
1: Awesome. Um, how did you kind of come across this story idea?
0: Um, I got emailed about it from so someone like that's the president around the program, emailed me just kind of the idea, and then I reached out to the executive director and set it up with him.
1: Cool. And in your story, you talk about the My Life program. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Okay, yeah. So My Life Yeah, the My Life program was kind of an extension of what a few of the programs, I guess, they do in the Engaged Outreach, and that one, they put in through the schools, and it kind of, it's run like a class, so you can opt out of it, but it's run with, like, a class, and they focus on different, like, mental health issues where the students kind of work together and kind of talk things through, like, just how they're feeling and work with each other to combat different problems they might have, and. Gain different skills, and it's all like just kind of collaborative within the students. Um, so then they do that, and then they can graduate from that. And I guess that offers college credit too if they complete it.
1: Awesome. Um, and is this kind of like a newer um, program?
0: Um, he, I think he said it. They've been it's been around for like a decade but it's only been the last like two years that they've been doing the mental health focus because they kind of went back and like realized that they were helping students with that. And so the last like two years, they've dedicated to figuring out how they can push that more and work more with that.
1: Yeah, when you were talking um, to your sources and stuff, the people who are involved in the um, nonprofit, what are some of the things they said about how this program is like helping students.
0: Um, They kind of talked about how they've gone through the program and then there's been students who come up to them afterwards and tell them just kind of that having that experience really helped them. I think he said there was one kid who was, he came up to him after the program and told him that he had been depressed and like afterwards he kind of, he felt better because he realized he had people like he wasn't alone and he had people he could work through it with. And And he, he was, um, the executive director was saying that that was one that really stood out to him because he was, it was something that he wouldn't have really thought would have been having those feelings. And so having that experience and hearing him talk about how it helped him and how the program made him kind of feel more like he had a support system, I guess, was really interesting. Um, and then I guess they do things with anti-bullying within the program too. And he talked about an experience with Um, A kid, when they were doing, like, an anti-bullying segment, who came up, like, afterwards and said, like, that he didn't realize he was bullying some people, like, it was just kind of, like, the way he was at home, and he wasn't really aware of some of the things he was doing, Um, and then afterwards, he kind of made more of an effort to change, so they mentioned some kind of things like that, that were different, interesting, like, anecdotal experiences they had.
1: Cool. Awesome. Is there anything else you would like to say about your process and writing this story?
0: Um, not, not much I can think of. Just it was a really like interesting thing to write about. And I think it was a good change in pace right now just to have a focus on like mental health and stuff, because that's still so important. And yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for being on today.
0: Yeah, thank you for reaching out.
1: State news reporter Anastasia Parami wrote a column in our most recent print edition about the struggle of still having to pay bills during the COVID-19 crisis after losing her job. In her column, she also discusses some of the things that she has learned so far about herself while social distancing. So I'm here with Anastasia Parami. Thank you for being here. Yeah, you're welcome. No problem. So... Can you talk a little bit about what inspired you to write your column in our most recent print edition?
2: Yeah, so my column was basically just about like how myself and like how other people feel about not being able to work like during this time. So for me personally, I work a lot. If I'm not in the classroom... Like, I am working to cover, you know, like, rent, groceries, gas, like, everything in between. And so basically what kind of, like, gave me the idea to write it is, honestly, like, I was really mad. I was really angry. (laughs) Like, I couldn't go to work, let alone do anything else, like, hang out with my friends or go out to eat or you know, be, like, on campus or anything, but work is, like, a really big part of my life, like I mentioned before, and the fact that, like, I can't go or the fact that, like, I can't do anything about it is, like, extremely frustrating aside from, you know, like, the social distancing.
1: Yeah, maybe what is some advice for students who are kind of feeling the same way you are right now?
2: My best advice is to just honestly, like, I feel like you just have to like keep your mind like distracted and stuff like as stressful as it is not being able to work and for me it's like paying rent my rent is like really kind of like in the back of my mind like all the time um, you just have to like remember a comforting feeling like it's like to remember that like we're all in this together like, there are so many people going through the same thing as you and like we're all going to get through it like one way or another so just keep that in mind and then just, you know, like, keep your mind, like, distracted and stuff. I usually like to just, like, take my dog for a walk or, like, my family, we like to play, like, a lot of board games. Um, Even earlier today, like, my dad showed me how to change, like, my car battery just because, like, what else am I going to do? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. It was yesterday when I read a New York Times article and found out that if you're claimed as a dependent, you will not be getting a check from the stimulus package. Yeah, it puts college students in a very unique position because even when you're claimed as a dependent, you're not necessarily like dependent on your parents' money for everything. Like, college is expensive, I pay for my own rent, my own food, my own bills, like, all of that stuff.
2: I'm sure, like, a lot of, like, college kids can, like, relate to that. Like, the only thing that, like, I depend on my parents for would be, like, just, like, my permanent res- residence, like, outside of Michigan State. hmm You know, so I, I, I'm curious as to, like, what, like, the thought process was behind, like, that stimulus package of, like, not including college students, but, you know, including including people who work that are under the age of 16. That Mm -hmm. was, it kind of seemed a little off to me. You kind
1: of talked about in your column near the end about how you are spending your time and like how some people do appreciate time, but you, you know, are used to working a lot and you don't want to spend a lot of time on your phone and stuff. So can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, so I did have a friend tell me, like, she's like, oh, like, you learn, you really do, like, learn a thing or two about yourself, like, when you have, like, that much alone time, and I'm like, yeah, like, that sounds, like, nice and stuff, but, like, like, I understand that, like, downtime and, like, relaxing and all that stuff is, like, important, like, you know, maybe just take, like, a second to, like, really look at yourself and reflect and, like, learn a thing or two about yourself, but, like, when we're sitting in... In, like, this quarantine, this lockdown, for, like, weeks, what feels like weeks on end, like, it's no longer, like, soothing and, like, relaxing to me. Like, it it drives me, like, insane. I'm not, you know, all I do, it's funny, like, I look at the, uh, you get, like, the weekly notification for, like, your screen time and stuff every single week. It's, like, your screen time has gone up, like, 18%. Like, you've spent an average of, like, 10 hours on your phone a day. And I'm, like, oh, my God. Like, I feel like my like my brain is just, like, frying from staring, like, at my phone screen for so long. So I'm trying to, like, break that habit. But it's hard when you're so, when you're just so limited.
1: Yeah, and especially as you know, a student who has to do all their work online now and like working as a journalist remotely. You're looking at a screen for most of your day, I I would say.
2: Yeah. And like, like you said, like even that, even if I do want to get away from my phone and I'm like, oh, I want to do my homework. I'm staring at my laptop the entire time.
1: (laughs) So. Is there anything else you wanted to say about your column or like the process of writing it or inspiration behind it
2: um I did I did really enjoy writing the column I will say that that was my first time writing a column and it was kind of nice to have that switch of being able to write have like my own biases and write like my opinion on it you know like everything that we write, like, at the state news has to be, you know, like, as unbiased as possible. And, you know, you're just stating the facts and, you know, all that jazz and stuff. But, like, for, like, a column, like, it was nice that I could really say how, like, I feel and not have to worry about, oh, did I do this right? Or, like, did it, you know, worry about some editor, like, changing the entire thing or, like, whatever. So I did, like, really enjoy writing the piece.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking today about your column. Yeah, you're welcome. The spotlight story for our most recent print edition was about how the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting MSU international students. Reporter Samaya Overall is here to talk about her story and what some of these international students discussed with her. Alright, I am here with Samaya Overall. Thanks for joining us, Samaya.
3: Thanks for having me.
1: So, um, can you talk a little bit about your story, like how you came up with the idea and how you kind of moved forward with it?
3: Yeah, um, I've covered international students before. It's something it's um uh, something that I'm really passionate about. And when President Stanley announced that the classes will be moved to online I I have um, international students as sweetmates, so I had international students sweetmates, and I remember them just saying that they can't just they can't go home; they're staying here, uh, staying on campus that is. And um, I just thought it was interesting to show their perspective from things because it's a lot different from how we um, saw the cancellation of in-person classes. So I um, I wanted to give them a voice to um, hear their thoughts about the pandemic and just different things that affected them a little differently than domestic students
1: yeah and what did some of the international students say when you interviewed them
3: um a lot of them talked about the different factors that went into them deciding to go home i know one student mentioned that um he was really focusing on where he would be the most safe in terms of his health and um he decided that since so, um, the situation was getting worse here in the United States, that he would be returning home, but there were other students who decided actually the opposite—that going back to their home country would actually be more detrimental for their health—and so they decided to stay here in the United States, but mo- um, more specifically in East Lansing. Um, they also talked about um, some xenophobia that could that happens a little bit because um, the. COVID-19 did um, originate in China, and so there's a lot of um, misconceptions about that or about um, Asian culture in general, and so they talked about how they would have, how they have to just navigate that and um, just reporting and trying to just feel safe and figure out how to navigate through this um, unprecedented time.
1: Yeah, and as a journalist who is now working remotely because of COVID-19, how did you go about finding these sources?
3: It was difficult. Um, I had to go through friends to find um, international students because obviously I can't just walk into a residential hall. I'm no longer um, on campus, but I can't walk into the residential hall and just expect to maybe find an international student or two and just talk to them like I normally would. So I had to go through a lot of friends, have them um, introduce me to their international student friends and see if they wanted to talk to me about this. And a lot of them were really excited that I was giving them um, this voice. I also went through um, some international student organizations. Like one student was the president of the Chinese Students and Scholars Association at MSU. So she was able to um, provide that perspective as well. And it was easier to find her because she is part of an organization that Deals directly
1: with international students. For international students who are unable to go back home, how is that working in the dorms and the dining halls? Um, if you know, like, how MSU is accommodating for students who have to stay here throughout the remainder of the semester?
3: Yeah, um, MSU is currently trying their best to keep. Um, they're leaving their dorms open, so international students are allowed to stay on campus free, um, like, in their dorms that they've been staying in for spring semester already. There's no like, extra cost. And um, they also have, their dining hall is still open. They've changed to a take-out-only option, so all the food that you would get in the dining halls are already ready for, so you just pick up and take out. Um, but I know one student talked about that the whole overall atmosphere of MSU has just changed because so many of their best students have went home. It's a lot quieter. He mentioned he says it feels more isolated, which um, makes sense because MSU is more um, hustle and bustle. It's usually a lot of people on campus. And when you kind of clear out the campus, it kind of gives it a, little, a more an eerie feeling. And that student was just talking that it really changed how living on campus feel, uh, felt for him and uh so that was one of the struggles that international students have to go through if they have to stay home it's not just staying on campus like you would at a normal um semester it's more it's more quiet and isolated and can be lonely also
1: yeah is there anything else you'd like to say about your story
3: um it's just that um international students are Oh, really? They're really interesting people. I, sometimes it's um, easy to for them to get lost in the overall uh, turn of things, but I think talking to them and their perspective on a lot of things um, is interesting and it's refreshing to hear because we don't think of the situation any different than um, how we're experiencing it. We don't think about the things that international students have to go through um that's just different from domestic students in general so I thought it was really interesting and a good thing to write this story showing their voice
1: yeah well thank you so much for joining us Maya
3: yeah thank you for having me
1: Thanks again for joining us this week on The 1909, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at the state news's biggest stories while bringing in new perspectives from the reporters who wrote them. You can follow us on Twitter at The S News, on Instagram at State News, and always on statenews.com. We'll be back next week to unpack even more stories.